Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. This podcast is brought to you by Vish, a complete color management system designed by colorists for colorists, helping salons to eliminate waste, ensure consistent color and pricing, track inventory, and maximize profit. To learn more about Vish, simply text in all capitals, get Vish with no space, G-E-T-V-I-S-H, to the number 44222 for more information. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing a friend that we have never met in person, but I feel like we are dear old friends. We both met up on social media, and we both are super passionate online and in-person educators now. So please welcome Nina Tulio. She is um, a former salon owner, now business beauty consultant. She has 24 years experience in the industry. She travels and educates to help people grow their business and build their confidence. And Nina, that is a much needed thing in the industry today. So thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. Yes, it's a pleasure. You and I have done a few um, lives together on social media, and it's always a lot of fun. Um, We have so much in common, and we also have such different takes on so many things. And that's what makes this industry amazing. You know, you're so positive. You know, we would talk about a question. I would say, absolutely not. No, uh, uh-uh, no, done. And you're like, no, but you can do that in a way that da, 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 da. And we laugh and we're like, okay, we, we couldn't be more opposite on certain things. But what is true is we both have an unreal passion for all things beauty industry. And I think that we both at this stage of the game can agree that there's so much change in in recent times, um, not even due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, it, 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 that didn't help for sure. Right. Um, but it's been building and changing in rapid speed. And there's so much that needs love and attention that it can be overwhelming. And you're one person, I'm one person. It's hard to not get defeated by the enormity of the situation. Um, I love your podcast. I listened to your podcast. I followed you through social media. And I'm sure that at this stage of your career in being, you know, a coach and a cheerleader and, and helping salon owners, there's probably one thing that just keeps coming up that you're almost tired of answering. If you had to pick one thing that you think is the biggest question just over and over and over again that every salon owner has, I know it's hard to pick one thing, but there's usually one thing that just keeps coming up. So I know a couple things just went through my mind, but there's always one topic. And even since, you know, I've been doing this now, this, this job, this career, uh, since 2016. And so the thing that keeps coming up constantly from salon owners is that they are 
always having a hard time finding hairstylists. And now, you know, from the beginning, like 2016, it started to shift a little bit more so into finding hairstylists and then keeping hairstylists. That is the shift because now we have, you know, suites have been around for a long time. I mean, this is not new, but we have, there's a lot of opportunity for hairstylists now to move into a suite or rent their own chair. And, you know, a lot of stylists want to have the freedom. I actually did a poll on this asking hundreds of hairstylists why they wanted to do their own thing. And uh, it really was the, um, the freedom aspect of it. They want to be able to do that. So salon owners, commission salon owners, which you and I are both from Pennsylvania. So we were commission structure and they're struggling a little bit more so now, because I think when COVID hit, it gave hairstylists another opportunity and reason to sit back and think, hmm, do I really want to be in a commission salon or now is this the, a good time for me to start and do my own thing? So for salon owners, it's always been, and look, when I had my salon too, and especially in the early years, like when I didn't know who I was as an owner, I had a hard time attracting stylists too, but it was when I really dialed in on my brand and who I was and created a culture that it was so much easier for people to find me. You know, people would seek me out and I had a really good relationship with the beauty school in my area too. But that is just the topic. I see it all the time. I can't find hairstylists or they find them, but they're not a fit for their brand. And so then you have the hiring process, the onboarding process, the training process, which is very time consuming, time, money, and energy for the owner. And then they're there for two or three months and then the hairstylist quits, which can, it's a vicious cycle. You know, when you keep training people and they leave, uh, but at that point as a leader, you have to kind of step back and say, hmm, what can I do differently? What can I change in order to create new patterns and behaviors that are going to have a different outcome? So that's what I would say would be number one. and it's it's still happening. And I think it's happening even more since COVID happened too. And it's funny, I'm sitting here listening to you and I 100% agree. And the first thing that popped into my mind is when people say, I want it to start my own suite and do my own thing because I want it more freedom. And you and I can both say, <laughs> freedom? <laughs> doesn't really exist. It turns a four-day career into a seven-day, 365-day career. There is no less freedom than owning a business yeah. with employees. Um, so that's number one. And I think that, um, yes, I agree that COVID has spurred people to maybe visit doing their own thing that maybe were fearful before. But I also have seen a huge shift and the ones that did go out on their own, and then they're like, oh crap, not only am I not getting paid right now, but I owe someone money right now. Damn. And a lot of people didn't set up their systems properly, and now they're in this willy-nilly, they're not an employee, so they can't collect unemployment, and they're not quite an owner of a business. They're a one single operator business, so they may not qualify for the government loans, the PPP or PP, I don't know what all the P's are, but yeah. I, just, I let my husband deal with that stuff. But yep. I think there's a lot of um, 1099 still going on in our industry, which I don't know where the heck that became okay. I mean, that's just not a situation that's legitimate. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not okay. I mean, yeah. it's just existing, right? But I think that's changing too. I think, so the thing that's happening is hairstylists are becoming more aware of what what is 
right and fair for them. And so now they're doing more research and yeah, that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other bag of worms for sure. But yeah, it isn't, it isn't right. And I think now people are more uh, open. I think salon owners are paying more attention. You know, I've been working with a lot of salon owners during this break in time where they're, they're like, listen, Nina, I've been struggling. I haven't been putting the time and attention and energy into the business itself. Now that I have this time, I want to be able to do that. I need your help. I need systems. I need to understand how to compensate prop properly, set up level systems, do all the things. And so it's been really great in that aspect where, yeah, salon owners are like, I, I'm going to use this time to make some changes in my business that are going to be positive. 100%. And when you said systems, I remember when I first... I had my salon for 30 years. My first salon, I was 21 years old when I opened it. So my goal was get the zoning, all about the decor. It was all about what it looked like, the brand, yeah. the business cards, all that stuff. I was so excited. And then comes along the first employee. And for me, it was let me teach her as much about hair color as I possibly can because that's what we're known for. And then she'll be busy and everything will be great. But I never had an employee manual. I didn't have systems. I didn't know what a system was. And I would go to events like, you know, the former Raylan's Art of Business. And I would sit there and soak up every speaker and every bit of information. Yeah. And everyone kept talking about systems. And I would leave the training saying, well, what the hell is a system? Like they would never say what <laughs> right. it was. Yeah. And it drove me crazy. And now fast forward to, you know, 30 years and I'm no longer being a salon owner. I'm like, okay, I get it. It's, you know, having an actual dress code written down in a binder, having the employees sign it, like treating it as an actual company and not a hobby. Sure. I think that's been, you know, a bone of contention in the industry because they're like, I, I'm an artist. I don't want to be told what to do. I want freedom. I want this and that. But if you don't know your brand and what you stand for and know the limits to within you're supposed to be as a culture, culture, I mean, is number one, hands down, the most important thing. And without that, you have nothing, you know, you have all the backroom bitching and the bean girls and all the nonsense that, that is so viral in our industry. Um, but I'm, I've, I've seen some shift. I've seen some changes for sure. And I think it may be because of this, you know, group of people running to suites to say enough, I'm tired of the nonsense and the politics and the, mm -hmm. Know, not getting along with everyone. I just want to do hair. Yeah. Um, but now they're realizing how hard that is to pay for all your supplies and your insurance and your stripe or square or whatever fees. And in the end of the day, you're still making the same, but now you have a lot more work. So you have your hands full. There's a, there's a lot of, of need for a lot of things in the industry. And I know your story, um, you are more than qualified to be a coach and a mentor and a friend to these salon owners because you've lived it. You've walked the walk, you've talked the talk, and you've had that experience and, and you know what works and what doesn't. Um, and it's, it's sad that most people don't look for a coach or a mentor until they're in distress. You right. know, yeah. athletes, when they're at the top of their game, hire a coach, hire a trainer, that they're always trying to be their very best. But in our industry, sometimes it takes people hitting rock bottom, ready to, you know, light a, a 
pull the pin on an M80 and throw it into the building and blow the entire right. place up before they say, yeah, I need help. Yeah. Everybody needs a coach for sure. I mean, we all, we all do. And I think it's at our best times when we want to hire a coach. And I mean, I have a coach too, and I know that you work with a coach and I think it's important for everybody to understand that, you know, hiring a coach really isn't saying, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm struggling. It's saying, I want someone else who has expert eyes to look into my business and see what I can't see because I'm living it every day. Uh, and someone to bounce ideas off of and someone to be their cheerleader and tell them and hold them accountable when, hey, that's not really a good idea. You should, let's try it this way. You know, it's someone to really even affirm what you're doing and your decisions because a lot of times they're right. The things that salon owners are doing, they're right, but they're fearful in doing them because of the end result. So they, they don't want to make, you know, ruffle feathers, if you will. Uh, and so I think it's important for people to understand that it's a positive thing for you to have someone along your side, especially, you know, with the both of us and, and just for me, you know, you're right. Like I, I lived it. I worked behind the chair for almost 20 years. I was a salon owner, a commissioned salon owner for 11 years. I get it. I get the highs and boy, do I get the lows because I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes in my business. And that's what I share a lot of too, is um, I didn't do everything right. Here's what I did wrong. And let me share it with you. So you don't do that. <laughs> so you don't make the same mistakes, you know? Isn't it so frustrating too? I think that the hardest thing as an educator, a coach, whatever, you, you know, you said you don't really love the word coach. My daughter's the same way. She's like, I hate the word coach, but you really are helping sure. someone, you know, get through what you went through, but get them through it quicker, easier, faster. Yeah. So frustrating. One of the favorite things I've ever seen on um, social media was the definition of the Wikipedia word asshole, A-S-K-H-O-L-E. I love it because, you know, as an educator, someone will reach out to me and they'll say, you know, this is the situation. My client has level five hair, da, 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 da. What would you do? And you see it all over Facebook yep. forums. It keeps me up at night. So I go on and I say, okay, I've been, I've seen this situation a million times. What I would do is step one, this, step two, this, step two. I spell it out. I mean, so crystal clear, a non-hairdresser could complete this correction. Right. And the next day I see whoever posted the thing, post their result. It's awful. And they're like, oh, I'm really disappointed in how this turned out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I say, oh, what did you do? And they do the complete opposite of what everybody told them to do. Right. And I'm like, you asked, you were given the answer, but you were so afraid to let go of what you already do and know to do what someone else is telling you to do, who's been there, who's done it, who has the sticker, who has the bumper sticker and everything, and they still don't trust it. And right. that's the hardest thing. And I'm sure you have the same thing when you're coaching salon owners. It's like, you were there, you know how it ends, you know the exact way around it. That's your job is to keep them from that pain and they still refuse to listen. And it's, yeah. And it's a lot of it's, so it's fear-based. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so fear-based fear and it, it's control, you know, the control, which I get, I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak. My husband say I'm really a control. I'm freak. a lot. I think, <laughs> I think I've lightened up a lot. Um, my team would probably say, you know, that I don't know if they'd say I'm controlling, but they would say that I'm very structured for sure. Uh, and you know, we laugh about it now, but they get it. You know, they understand now why I was that way. And, uh, you know, cause I, I talked to them all the time, but I think that it is 
feeling okay with doing something different and trusting the fact that doing something different is going to give you a different result. And a lot of times for salon owners and even my suite owners and renters, because I've been working with a lot of suite owners and renters lately, and it's just letting go that, you know, you, you may not have all the answers and that's okay. You know, that's why you have me, you know, to help you go, go through that. But I have to say, you know, when someone hires me, nine times out of 10, they're ready to they're make ready. the change. Right. And that's actually one of the questions that I ask on my intake form is, have you worked with a coach before? Are you ready to implement change in your business? Because if you're not ready to implement change, don't waste your money. Because I don't want you to come back and say, oh, well, I hired Nina and that sucked because, you know, nothing worked. Well, you didn't implement what we talked about, you know, but I can say that the majority for sure is really ready to make the change and nothing is better for me to watch an owner or a hairstylist that is taking in what, you know, they're absorbing the information that I'm sharing and I see the change in their business and they see the change in themselves. I mean, that's the reward for me really to do what I'm doing, which is awesome. Really, truly it is. So recently you poked the tiger and I loved it because it's such a common feud in the industry is not charging for the blowout after a service. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I've gotten a lot of heat for from, you know, potential stylists working in my former salon. They were like, oh, well, I don't feel like I should charge for that. But we were a departmentalized salon. And when we would explain it to the client, I would say, how can I have, you know, Teresa, who's a stylist, who is paid for her time in the salon, who has only has so many hours, how can I ask her to do a 30-minute blow-dry and style on my guest, who I'm a colorist and it's my guest, right. for free? Like, how yeah. can I ask her to do that? And then, then they would go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But on the other hand, when you are a generalist and you're doing both, you're still going into 30 minutes of your bookable sellable hours in the salon and you only have so many and I don't know where the McDonald's mentality came from of like do the combo all the time I don't know where it started but it's like so prevalent and that's really what holds people back from hitting that six-figure level it's those blow dries it's those free glazes it's you know mixing up 14 batches of color and charging the same price for the client with three hairs with the client with your hair that has, you know, so much more density and length and you have a ton of hair. So that's not fair either, you know? And, and when you posted it, you said, you know, you have to charge separately, da, 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 da. And everybody was commenting. And I said to you, I'm so glad you posted this because I agree hundred percent. And I said, I get so much flack for it. And as I'm saying it, everybody's saying the same thing. That's ridiculous. How can I send someone out with a wet head? You're not saying they should leave with a wet head. Right. You're saying that, you know, a haircut is a haircut, a retouch is a retouch, a style is a style, mm-hmm. and you should be compensated for everything, regardless of, right. you know, what it is. So yeah. it's, it's that sticking, I'm sticking to it. This is the way I've always done sure. it. You know, they're so irate about it, but they're the same people that are complaining that they can't get a decent car and, you know, they, they don't like the house that they live in. Like they want more and they want more success, but they won't change. You ha- yeah. And you ha- yeah. You have to make the change in that for sure. And I think, and listen, I think that, you know, in the post that it, so I got a really different response on Instagram than I did on Facebook with that post. Cause I did one That's on blow dries and then I did one with haircuts and, you know, charging for your blow dry and charging for your haircut. And 
anyone that knows me knows that I'm a giver. When I owned my salon, I gave to my team. I gave to my my clients. Uh, we did a lot of programs in salon promotions just for our guests. We had a loyalty program. And so, cause there were a lot of people saying, you know, well, that's a rip, you're ripping off your clients, you're stealing from them. You're doing, and I thought to my, and I'm not going to engage with people cause that's just not who I don't have time mm -hmm. for that shit. But anyway, I think of it this way. We're running a business. This is not a hobby. And there are so many ways that you can give back to your guests for them, reward them for them coming to see you, but it's not in their pricing because the pricing reflects on your top line sales and then ultimately on your net profit. And so, and I talk about this, I just launched that make that money course for suite owners and renters. And we're going into all of this stuff and budgeting and these it's like their, their mind is blown because no one taught them this stuff and no knock on them. Right. There were things that I took from other people that I learned were that were not right. And I had to make them right. And I think with the blow dry, you know, when you're pricing services, it's time, product, expenses, profit, demographic. These are all the things that go into pricing. And when you're not charging for your time, you're jipping yourself. You're not jipping the client. You're giving someone 30 minutes of your time for free. And there were even some people that I saw that were doing free haircuts with color services. With color, yeah. If we were to add that up and, you know, whatever, $40 over how many clients you're doing a week, that's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that you're losing. And so you can give, you know, it's about adding value too. So when we would raise our prices, we would always add value to the guest experience. So it is the hot towels and the lavender oil and the peppermint oil on the hands and the hand massages and the hot towels for the hand massages and the chocolate at the end and all of the things that you're doing. So you're treating them and pampering them like no other. So you can charge them for that time. You know, I often talk about salons too. So in my area, when I moved into my second salon because my first salon was tiny. It was like six, 600, 700 square feet. And when I moved into the other salon, I was broke. I was in debt. I was struggling. I was two seconds away from closing my doors. And I decided to move into a bigger space with more rent <laughs> and um, a whole rehab that had to be done in an area that had 46 or 43 salons within six blocks of my business. And my mom's like, you're nuts. And I'm like, mom, if I don't take risks in my business, I'm never going to move ahead. So I had help from my friends, my family, and I borrowed money from my best guy friend, Gus, and uh, like 5,000 bucks. And, you know, I was like, I need to do this. And people thought I was crazy because there were, I don't even know, 10 salons on my street. And so I, I had to do work on myself because it was my fault. Obviously, I was in that predicament in the first place that I was broke and closing. It was all on me. And I had to look at myself, self-assess, look at my brand, my business, all the things that I needed to really do to pay attention to, which I haven't been, which I wasn't. And then we started to level up the guest experience. I hired a new team and we started to do all these things. Well, the last probably four years or so, three, four years, we were charging $75 for a root touch-up and $50 for a haircut. And the salons on my block were charging $90 for root touch-up and haircut, $95 for root touch-up and haircut. And we were busy. People ask me this all the time. Well, the person down the street is only charging. Who cares? Crazy, Worry yeah. about what you're doing, right? And the reason that we were able to do that was A, 
we had our products were organic based products. They were a little bit more expensive. So we had a charge for them, but our guest experience was to me the most important thing. And it was a focal point. And that's where my control issues came in. And that's where my structure came in because I didn't have flexibility in how our guests were treated. And my team knew that. And so that's why we were able to charge that. They're like, if you're doing 125 for, you know, root touch up and a haircut, you know, down the street, they're only charging 90. And I'm like, that's great. And they were busy too. You know, they were busy, great salons. Yeah. Yeah, They were great salons too. And they were doing very well, but there was a head for everyone. There's a head for every business. And you have to know who you are first and feel confident in that first in order to be able to charge, you know, those prices. But this is really a thing and it isn't a ripoff. It's a ripoff of you and your time if you're not charging for these services. And then you reward your clients in other ways, you know, for uh, patroning, patron, uh, servicing your business, coming in to get their <laughs> services done. Mix my words up. <laughs> no, and it's so true, that whole, you know, I'm going to open a business. I'm going to, you know, call the five businesses closest to me and ask what their prices are. And it's it continues now in 2020. I can't even believe it because now there's, systems and and equations that you can figure out what is your overhead your rent could be double the person down the street sure. it could be you know 50 percent less than the person down the street you could yeah. own your business they could be leasing a commercial triple net property it's never apples to apples right and and that segues me into the next subject of social media i think that there's so many great things like I know and love you and we've never met in person because we met on social. I love that part of it. I love that you feel like you know each other. You have this connection. You have a lot in common. I love all of that. But I really dislike the comparison factor and I, I fear for the 20-somethings right now and I watch them. You know, I just recently, you and I both have just made big moves um, as far as our physical location. And I'm at the beach a lot more. And I watch these 20 somethings, and everything that they do is about the Insta photo. You know, mm-hmm. it's they're not enjoying the moment because they're scrambling to get the photo. And I'll watch two young girls spend an hour in the ocean posing, and, and then they look, and then they pose, and then they look, and then they, and I'm like, Oh, for the love of God, like let's talk to each other about what you did last night or you're right in front of each other's faces and you're yeah. not even being together. Um, so that is, you know, a sad part of social media that I think that people, I think so many people would take bigger risks and do more if they didn't keep comparing themselves to other people. How many followers, how many likes? Oh, I posted something and only five people liked it. Who cares? Right. You know, I hope that mm-hmm. you posted it because it was something that you loved and you love looking at the photo and not right. to, to create a reaction or, or get that. Um, I don't know. It's like caring too much about what others think. And I, I heard something great the other day and it was about the feeling of being anxious and fearful. And they said, when you're feeling anxiety and fear, check yourself because it usually means that you're caring too much about what others think Mm. and that when you are doing something from a place of service, passion, joy, if it lights you up, if it's something you really are passionate about, you don't care what other people think. Um, And that's how you can really check in on what is your intention in what you're doing and your why. And you and I have a, a lot in common as far as people that we look to for 
inspiration and mentorship. And I, I was so excited when I saw how excited you were when you got to go to the Tony Robbins weekend. And I know you probably were so fired up for like a month afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are looking for outside inspiration and to keep you on your toes and always learning and growing, I know Tony Robbins is one of those people, but when you were choosing your coach, how did you go about choosing them? So for me, yeah, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. I love Marcus Limonis too. He's another um, entrepreneur and business owner. Uh, and I, I think it's important for me when I was looking for a coach is to find someone that is aligned in the way that we think and the way that kind of our ethics are. You know, I think it's important, like your core morals, values, and ethics have to be aligned when you're looking for a coach. And so, you know, for, for me, it was someone that was giving and caring and really, truly just cares about people and, and wanting them to do well. Uh, I have a hard time working with people who just want to work with people for money. You know, that's not why I do what I do. It's to truly help and inspire other humans. And I needed to find someone that I felt was the same way. Not like, oh, let's just hop on a call and say, okay, so you're doing this and this is, okay, great. Like, mm-hmm. no, like there needs to be a connection. Uh, and that's why I actually, for my, when I'm going to coach someone and someone's seeking me out, I actually hop on a Facebook call or an IG call with them just to make sure that we're aligned and we're connected. Cause I want them to feel good with me and I want to feel good with them. And so I think it's important to find someone that is aligned in that way that also helps you see the big picture. Uh, someone that isn't allowed to, or isn't, afraid to hold you accountable and someone who isn't afraid to point out your flaws and not in a negative way, but like, Hey, you know, maybe you should do this a little bit or soften up a little bit in the way that you are you know, approaching this or whatever. And that's why I think I like, you know, there are certain people that I'm drawn to, uh, that I, you know, enjoy listening to. And it, it just has to be the connection for me where I feel like they truly genuinely care about other people. That's it. Like that's, that's the most important thing for me. And then everything else kind of falls in line. And then there has to be the chemistry. It's kind of like a relationship too. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're hiring an employee or when you're going on a date, it's the same thing. There has to be a connection that you kind of get each other before you really kind of get each other. So that's what I would say is important for me for sure. And is your coach in the industry or is it a general, more of like a life coach? more of a bit like a business coach. Yeah. Not in the industry at all. And I often find that, and listen, there are a lot of people that I truly admire in our industry, but because I'm in the business side of it and I'm not in the tech side of it or the technical side of it, I often find myself reaching to people who are going to help me more on the business end and on the, um, uh, like personal end too, because I do a lot of personal coaching with building confidence and growth, uh, you know, personal growth and development. So for me, I, I need to reach out to people who are business people and who have run businesses before and who are entrepreneurs and kind of can point me in that direction because I want to be able to offer something different, you know, for our industry. So, um, yeah, I kind of lean that way more so than in the industry. Nice. So one of the most popular podcast questions is, you know, if you could, interview somebody, if you could sit on a park bench with someone, you know, dead or alive, who would it be? But my favorite question is, if you were on an elevator and Oprah Winfrey got on the elevator, it was just the two of you, and you have 30 seconds 
to say something, something you've always wanted to say to Oprah. You're watching the, the floors go down. You're like, crap, what can I say that is really impactful and it's really quick? What would you say? Oh my goodness, 30 seconds, that's it? Um, <laughs> well, to start uh, the conversation, basically. You know, you're not I done. Know, I know, it's it's that's a tough one. Uh, I would say uh, so many things just ran through my mind. You know, where did you get your strength from? I think just came to me just all of a sudden, just because, you know, her life and, and the, what she has been through in her life. And she talks a lot about her abuse, uh, you know, and I live very parallel to that. So I think that would be the connection for us. Um, where do you get your strength from? Uh, how did you, how did you create this empire carrying all that pain? I mean, yeah. I think that's another one too, because I go to that deeper side of, the self-connection and the self-growth and the personal development where I feel like I always have to work on myself personally in order for me to show up for everybody else. And so those, those are probably the questions that I would ask or maybe not so common, uh, but where do you, you know, where did you place the pain? What did you do to get past it? Did you go just to therapy? Did you like, what did that look like? What did that process look like? You know, and you and I have done, like, we like to go on these retreats and we always, we talked about when I post, you're like, I've been there and you post and I'm like, oh my God, I've been there too. Where we go to these like retreats. The one is in Arizona, um, the, uh, Miraval resort and spa. Oh, I was just talking about it yesterday. Yep. I'm, I'm due to go back. I said, I hope they have a post COVID amazing special that I can treat myself because it's like one of those canceled. places you want to go every few years. I know we had, our trip was last week and we just canceled. Oh no. We had to make the the call on whether we were going to go or not. But, um, yeah, my husband just wasn't real comfortable with traveling right now just due to what's going on, but we were going back for the second time. Uh, and yeah, I was kind of bummed about that, but I understand, you know, I, I get it and it'll, it, it's okay. We'll be able to go back another time, but I think it is for me, it's always seeking, like, I like to understand what people have gone through and how they made it through because then I'm thinking, well, maybe I could learn something from that too. And then when I learn it, then I can, you know, pay it forward and share it with somebody else. So that's probably what I would talk about. Nothing like, Hey, light. <laughs> it wouldn't be anything light for sure. I think it would be pretty, de pretty deep. And since I have 30 seconds, I would like go right yeah, on right, right to the point. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you had to pick between Oprah getting on the elevator or Tony Robbins, who would you pick? Oh, that's tough. Uh, whew. I would. Or is there a third person? Is there somebody that you would want on the elevator even more than either one of those? Honestly, I, Marcus Lemonis for me, and everybody knows this. I never especially heard of him. Movie. I'm surprised. He, he has that show called The Prophet. Oh, and I do know who he is. I didn't know his yeah. last name, Marcus. Okay. I love, I truly love him. And I would, so I would listen, Tony Robbins, Oprah, I'm down any time of the day or week. Uh, you know, I, but I, there is a, a connection for me with Marcus Lemonis. I actually saw him speak in Boston a few years back. And he has a very interesting story about um, his family and how he grew up and really just really, really, really tough stuff that he went through. But I love, if you haven't watched the show, you should watch it. But I I've love seen how it. I've he, seen it. I just didn't realize that was his last name. Yeah. I love how he leads with love. I love how he just loves on people. And I love that he's tough and stern, but he also comes from a really good space of care and compassion. Um, the other person though, now that we're talking about it is I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. Mm. So he's another one to me that leadership, 
I almost think I would almost pick him because his leadership thought process in caring for and, you know, you put yourself in front of your team and that's how, you know, you protect them when bullets are flying. Like you're the person, like he's another one that I really connect with. So I, I don't know, I'd say maybe him. <laughs> him no, or Marcus, no, I go back. I'm going to really throw you a curveball now. And this is, <laughs> this is my last question. Okay. Now that you um, really love and connect with what Marcus does, Mm-hmm. If you had Marcus come into your business back when you still had it, do you think that you would still have your salon now or do you think everything worked out exactly how it was supposed to and you were done no matter whether Marcus saved you or not? So the, the good news about my business is that I didn't sell my business because I was failing. I actually right. sold my business because it was very successful and it was profiting after I got past the first five years of almost closing twice and literally being broke. That was the first five years of my business, but I was able to turn it around and then start to make a 17, 23% profit, which is really high in, in our industry. So, and I knew that I was tired and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to give 150% too much longer. And so I created a two year plan and strategy and exit strategy to sell the business. So, but I think, yeah, no matter what I was selling the business, because it was time, I was ready. I wanted to do other things. I wanted to travel the country. I wanted to meet stylists face-to-face and owners face-to-face. And I, this is really what my purpose I feel is. And, but being a salon owner got me here. And so I don't think it would definitely wouldn't have changed my decision. I don't look back. However, if he would have come in like week or month, 12 of my business when I was really failing. Um, it may have given me a little bit more guidance and hope to turn the business around a lot faster. faster. It took me five years to turn my business around five years. And again, all my fault, all things that I did wrong, all mistakes that I've made. But then I also dug deep to be able to pull myself out of it and then turn the business around. I didn't hire a coach or anything. I just started to look inward. I just started to look at me and it was hard and it was really rough and it was a lot of crying and a lot of stress. And, you know, I sold my home to keep my business and I did what I had to do. But I think if he would have come on in my earlier years, it would have given me a quicker turnaround. Um, but yeah, selling my business was, was a great thing for me. And I definitely don't look back. I miss my team. Um, I'm fortunate enough to talk to them all the time and text them and we communicate and they know I'm here for them no matter what they need. Uh, but I do, I miss that. I miss them and I do miss my clients, but I do truly enjoy, and I'm so incredibly passionate about what I'm doing now. So I'm thankful that I'm here. And speaking of thankful, I will be forever grateful to you. I reached out to you when I was ready and had enough and exactly the same situation. Super profitable, thriving business, looked crazy to everyone around me that I would ever Uh want to just walk away from that, especially in today's, you know, life with business. Um, But it just felt so right. And I was so ready. And you cheered me on from the sidelines because you had been through it. So that was a huge help. And I will always be grateful for that. So thank you. And tell the people listening because they may be feeling like I felt and be in need of your wisdom and your mentorship. How can people find you that are listening? So I live on Instagram. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, Nina Tulio. Uh, I share a lot of content and there's so much free content on, you know, on Instagram as well. Just even breaking down numbers and stuff like that. It's all on my Instagram page. And then from there, you can just check out my website. I have a ton of blogs. I have a lot of downloads that you can, um, you know, download into your computer and worksheets and free classes, but also, you know, the one-on-one -on -one coaching. And now because of COVID, you know, we're doing everything's virtual now. So I, I started that make that money course, which has been incredible for suite owners and renters because it's just five weeks, but it goes into pricing, budgeting, increases, all of that stuff. Um, so if you're a suite owner or renter, that may be a good fit for you. And then Synergy, that was my in-salon, like, huge. Like I love, cause it was spending two full days with salon owners. And now that's actually going virtual too in the next um, couple months. So yeah, Instagram, Nina Tulio, onenagency.com is my website and you can just find me there and reach out. I respond to every DM and every Facebook message and every email. So don't ever hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking this time and course, everyone, thank you. thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.